Good morning. If you got your Bible, turn to Matthew. We'll get into that here in just a moment. I'm excited about the message. I need to pray that I can preach it twice. Sometimes you you birth something, it feels like, and then you got to redo it. And so uh, sometimes that can be challenging, but I believe we're going to do it, right? <clears throat> Let me just uh, point out a couple of things real quickly to you. First of all, we've got these available at the Information Center. They're 90 days through the New Testament. If you'd like to get on board before the first of the year uh, to read the New Testament in 90 days, we've pr- created this so that you can... So you can do that without having a new, resolu- a new Year's resolution that you don't follow through with. You can go ahead and start this now, <laughs> and it would be great um, uh, to join along. You also catch that on the web. Also, in the foyer, I've got a drawing, uh, the first drawing, and it's a finished product of what the sanctuary is going to look like uh, after the renovation process. We've engaged the architect, and he's got an incredible drawing. You, we'll have it posted, and we'll get it all out there for you, but I've got, if you're just interested in taking a glance, I'm so excited about it. It's going to seat uh, over 500. We're all going to be in this building. It's going to have uh, incredible sound. It's just going to be neat to, to get together as one body. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. We had about this many people in the first service as well, and so to come together as one and see what God does in that environment, it's going to be the bomb. Would you agree? It's going to be cool. So I was inspired uh, this week with the message that I'm going to teach. It came out of a couple things. The, f- the first thing that it came out of is, you know, we've been talking about how uh, Paul imparted to Timothy and what God did at the men's retreat and how we feel like that he, he is doing something in, in our body and our, uh, as we grow and we, we uh, say yes to the assignment that he has assigned Eastside Church to reach this city in this time. And, and we know that it's a God-sized task, and we know he, he's up to something. In the leadership uh, meeting, we had a leadership with all the volunteer area leaders on, uh, on uh, last week is just a, a thank you. And if you weren't invited to that meeting, it's because you're not a leader in the volunteer area, so step up, get involved do that. But anyway, uh, we, we come together and I talked to them just about, you know, to be praying for us this year because I think there's going to be tremendous amount of change. I think God is, he, he's, he's up to something in us. And every time that he does that, you know, he, he refines us. And, and, and I said, pray for me and Liz. And, and I think that kind of um, got messed up a little bit as far as my communication of it because everybody thought that that they needed to be praying for, 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 for us because we were going to struggle. And I'm not really concerned about my posture before God as far as him teaching me what he wants to. I think we're going we're gonna to remain there. But I have to pastor you as God does it in you. And, and, and when, whenever there's that much work being done in the body that, that we're going to face, then then we've got to, you know, really grab a hold of what God wants to do. And, and it's going to be incredibly fun, but not without challenges. Right? You, you tracking with me? And so, and so I, 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 I uh, grabbed Timothy, 2 Timothy, Paul in the first chapter. Paul writes to Timothy and says, join with me in my suffering. 
when that when I read that verse last week, it just or the week before because we had snow day last week, it just it jumped off. And if if you were in the first service two or three weeks ago, Stephen Vulo had this prophetic word about Mary and and how she had to persevere through horrendous trials before she could actually give birth to the Messiah. And when, and when you and when you combine those things, those ideas of 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 going through tr trials and persevering through those trials, being the very thing that transforms us into what God is creating us to become, it, it's a paradigm shift for a lot of people, because a lot of people believe that if they'll just get God, then everything's going to be good in their life. A lot of people believe that God's their answer to their problems, and he is. But it's not like you don't have problems. Matter of fact, in James, he says, Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials, so that the testing of your faith, that produces patience or perseverance or steadfastness. And you've got to let patience, perseverance, steadfastness do its work and when it does do its work, you'll be perfect, mature, complete, lacking nothing. And so that joining in suffering with Christ is something that we need to, to come into with an expectation like a child comes into Christmas. They're not sure what Santa or mom and dad or whatever it might be, what, they, what, what they're going to get. For Christmas, and there's this great anticipation that it's going to be good. And so we need to do life knowing that when trials come, and they will, that there is good coming through the trials. Because it's in the trials that we grow up. We become like God. Now listen. Here, what John says in chapter 16, verse 33, he says, in this world there will be tribulation. Who's he talking to? Jesus is talking to the church. But have no fear. I have overcome the world. Right? He teaches this, this whole idea of there's two kinds of people. There's the guy and the gal, the marriage, the, the people who build their house on the word. And it's a rock. It's steady. And then there's this other group of people who build their house on on ways of thinking outside of the Word of God or, 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 or whatever the culture is selling at that point, which changes all the time. One of them's sand, one of them's rock, and it says, when the storms come. It doesn't say, if the storms come. It says, when the storms come. Now, the storms come whether you're prepared or not. They're coming. Whether you're a believer or not, they're coming. Why? Because in this world, there is tribulation. But we don't have to respond like the world. You know, even in our mourning, we don't have to mourn like the world. Even in everything that we do. Let me give you a couple of, of paradigm shifts that I really think that the, the Lord is really dealing with us on. The first one is, uh, this whole idea of persevering through tr trials. We, we've got a guy in our church. His wife was actually at service, first service, worshiping before she went and picked him up at the hospital. 
But just to back my point up just a little bit, he's been in the hospital for a month. And I've, we've really had a lot of hospital going. I've been in the hospital more in the last two weeks than I have been in, I, I can't tell you how long. But this is particular case is really weird. He puts on a shoe out of his closet. He goes to his closet, gets a, a shoe that he wears all the time. And he puts the shoe on, and there's a brown recluse in the shoe. Bites him on the big toe. And, and, and his big toe starts, you know, getting funky. And then he starts getting blisters on his feet. And then, and then he calls me on the phone and says, hey, Pastor, I got this thing going on on my foot. And this was like about 12 hours later. And I think I got bit by a brown recluse. And my wife wants me to go to the doctor. What do you think? I've been praying for God to heal me. And I just want to talk to you a minute. God is healer. Yes? He cannot not be healer. That's his name. The God who heals you. But the church gets messed up and needs a paradigm shift about this healing thing. We're going to pray for every disease, everything, every possibility to be healed miraculously on the spot because that's who our God is. He's the God of miracles and wonders. And we're never going to move from that. <laughs> but if you broke your arm and you had a compound fracture and your bone is sticking out of your arm and you hold it up in the air and you say, God, heal me, and he doesn't, you better go get somebody to set that bone. So he goes to the doctor. I said, did you ask God to heal you? I want to get all this out. Did you ask God to heal you? He said, yes. I said, good. That's what he wants. He wants you to recognize that you need him to heal you, whether, however he does it, no matter what. So he goes to the doctor, and he gets in there, and, of course, they have to cut off his big toe. I mean, they cut it way back. Now, he's a dancer. He loves to dance. And he said, I'm never going to stop dancing. Cutting off my big toe isn't going to keep me from dancing. But here's what I want you to hear. He said, for the last six months or eight months prior to this brown recluse, he had been getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and studying the Word of God for about two hours before he went to work. Not because he had a duty to do so, but because he loved God. And he said this, he said, if I hadn't have been doing that for six months, when this happened, I don't know if I could have persevered. I don't know if I'd have bought into, you know, why in the world has this happened to me, God? I mean, it was a spider. You're supposed to be my protection. You're supposed to be all these things. But all this, you know, how does, I, and instead, he believes that God not only is showing him things, he show, he's going to show the church things through him. You know, the Bible says if your eye causes you to sin, if your hand causes you to sin, and he's saying the Lord is just refining him through that process, that he's persevering through this process, and God is bringing revelation like crazy. Ken Brown, who goes to church here, has also been in a hospital. I'm telling you all the hospital stuff. This is what I have to endure, see? <laughs> Ken had this place about half the size of a cell phone on top of his head that was uh, flesh-eating cancer. And I don't know what kind of cancer that is, you scientists. 
Y'all, y'all probably already know what kind it is, but it is a flesh-eating cancer, and there was a hole in his head, and he used to wear a hat all the time, because you might not have seen it, and he, they tried to treat it, and they prayed and prayed and prayed that God would heal him, which he believes in very, very much, but, but if he didn't do something, it was going to eat through his skull, and then he was going to get in his brain, and if it did, he was done. And so he eventually had to go get it treated, right? They had to cut his skull out, and they put, they put um, titanium um, gauze-like material uh, in, in there to protect the skull out of steel. Then they took muscle out of his back right here, put it on top of the steel. Then they took a patch of skin off his leg and put it over the top of his head. Then they had to get a vein out of his neck to, to run it from wherever they had to run it to that muscle and that skin so that it could live. And we want to give doctors credit for that. Let me just tell you, God is the healer. He's the one who established that even being able to be done, and we give man credit for that. And God said, I'm the God who heals you. I already set it up. Can you imagine God sitting on the throne going, and I didn't know you could do that. Or do you think you might have went, I created that so that that would be able to happen in 2018. They would discover that this is a possibility and it will bring healing to things. God is healer no matter what. He wants us to understand that we can do nothing without God. And so there has to be a paradigm shift even of what healing and how God does things. He is God and we're not. And in the process of those things, he teaches us his character and nature if we persevere. It's in the perseverance that he teaches us who he is. And so combining Timothy with the prophetic word that Stephen Vulo had in first service about two weeks ago when he talked about what Mary had to go through, there's a paradigm shift that has to change when we think about the Christmas story. We think about the Christmas story, and Mary's got on this elegant, you know, robes, and we see pictures of her. She's nicely propped up on a donkey, <laughs> riding in a town, and everything's smooth. And pretty. You know, I think, and I used Liz as an example last time. Liz is so put together all the time. I mean, like, she is, like, clean and sweet and shiny. Right? Isn't she, though? Yeah, we give her our hand for having to deal with She's like, but let me tell you. Let me tell you, that ain't the way Mary was. God says, I want, Mary, I want you to, I'm going to call a sense that I want you to get on a donkey and I want you to travel 100 miles. There's no, there's no motels on the way. You're going to ride on that donkey. You're not going to have any makeup. You're not going to have a mirror and you're not going to have a shower. The only shower you might get is a little bit of running water in the middle of the desert. And I want you to persevere this so that you can bring forth the Son of God. And so he calls her, he calls her into this persevering process so that she can burn. Which brings me to point number one. There's, a, there's some things that I want us to understand about the story. And the first one is that you right now, you as an individual, you as a Christian, 
Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan for you, plan to prosper you and not to harm you. He's got a God-side test. He says about you that he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. His plan for you is bigger than you are. He's got a God-sized task, and, but uh, uh, he's got a God-sized ch- task for the, for the church. But we have to understand that just like Mary was pregnant with the Son of God, she had a gestation period. She had to go through a gestation period to birth this, this God-sized task. Well, the same thing is happening to you if you're submitting to the process. There's this thing God wants to do in you, but there's this gestation process that you're going to have to persevere so that you can become the kind of person you need to be to be able to hold the assignment God has for you. He's got something for you. You just got to understand that it doesn't come without perseverance. Victory never comes in the life of a believer without going down the pathway of perseverance. Victory and prosperity come through perseverance. And so let's read a little bit about the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. She's pregnant, and she's got she's to begin this journey to bring forth Jesus. Mary in, in chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 18 Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now first of all, let's just think about that for one second. We think that, oh, that's really great. Yes, she's with child. Can you imagine her explaining this to her friend? Yeah, I had a visitation from an angel. How many of you have ever had anybody tell you they had a visitation from an angel and then you didn't look at them cross-eyed? What? We, we have this immediate image of, yeah, okay, gotcha. Right? We do. So she has to tell people, hey, I had this visit from this angel and, and the angel said to me that I was going to be overshadowed by God and through that overshadowing I was actually going to become pregnant as a virgin do you not think that that was tribulation for her absolutely do you think she got ridiculed and looked at strangely absolutely without a doubt so the persecution begins from the very beginning there's one that's fresh right there (laughs) It's so precious. And so she goes to her husband, Joseph, the, the, uh, the, the, the angel did, in a dream. And it says that about Joseph, he was a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. So he resolved to divorce her quietly. And so there's this, there's this thought process that Joseph gets this from a dream and he and he's thinking about himself. He says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really holy here. I'm a righteous man. I'm not going to stone this woman to death, even though it's my right. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to put her away quietly. And 
I can't imagine what Joseph is going through with his peers who are probably opinionated about what he ought to be doing with this woman who obviously either slept with him and got pregnant or slept with somebody else and got pregnant, but having to deal with all the talk. I'm glad there wasn't social media in this time frame. But as he considered putting her away, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Yeah, I had this dream, man. An angel came to me and told me not to put her away, to go ahead and marry her. What? His friend said, you kidding me? Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when Joseph woke from the sleep, he did just as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took his wife, but knew her not until he had given birth to a son, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And so even in the beginning stages of this proclamation of the Son of God being born of a woman, there had to be tribulation and persecution. There had to be perseverance from the very beginning of what everybody would think, even the ridicule from the church when she said that I was going to be impregnated by God, the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 through 12, we see the wise men enter into the picture. And they're out in the field, and there's heavenly hosts. We've already talked about that this morning. Heavenly hosts are revealed. Now, I, I just want you to, I just, I, I've got to get you to expand your thinking in this. When Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, it said heaven opened. Now, there wasn't a zipper that just went zzzz. They just had the ability to see. It's similar to Elijah and Elisha or the, the servant of Elijah. When they're standing there and, and, and the servant is going, man, we're about to get murdered. And Elijah prays, Father, let him see what I see. Both men were standing there. One could see in the spirit and the other couldn't. It was always there. There was just this opening of the eyes to the human man to mankind that could actually see in the spirit the invisible realm is just as real and it's an all the time thing it's not this zipper that opens up it's always among us it's always there and and, and this is going on when you see all this when heavens open up and there's a choir of angels what do you think that was how do you think that looked is it just this warm story or is it the availability of heaven to all of us if we'll just receive and if we'll just begin to get transformed where God can show us different things. Listen, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you're getting a lot of stuff first service you didn't get. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says about spiritual gifts. It says, this is how people will know that I'm alive. That you'll be able to get information from me and give it to them when you shouldn't have it. That's what he says about, about our relationship with the invisible realm. That is the condition of the church. Do you really believe 
that we're going to be able to operate there as a church without going through trials and tribulation and persecution. So that as we go through it, that the patience and the steadfastness to the ways and the word of God will actually transform us into a vessel that can hold what God wants us to hold so that we can do what God wants us to do. So, so they ride into town on a donkey, dirty, dusty, nasty, no toothbrushes. All the men say, hallelujah. <laughs> Gal say, ooh. <laughs> On the men, this is a side note. On the men's retreat, you know, like you're asking, you know, guys are like, "No, nah, I ain't brushing my teeth for not for three days." <laughs> Girls don't do that, right? Especially the young guys. Oh no! Sidetrack. Let me get back. <laughs> so they, you know, I just want you to get that it's nasty. It's not this. They don't have a Hilton. You think that the woman that's carrying the Son of God would stay in the Hilton? Not only that, or, you know, there's a guy on the hill. He works here in Jerusalem or Bethlehem, and he's got, he's got this 10,000-square-foot house up on the mountain, and the view is amazing. We'll, we'll ask him to put her up because the Son of God, Emmanuel's coming. No! She comes to a city that has no room in the inn, and she comes... It actually puts her baby in a trough that they feed the animals out of. And that has to happen. The wise men come. And they've seen a star, and they follow the star, and they study the star. If you study any of this about, about them, they, they didn't just go, wow, dude, there's a star. They were, they were people who studied the stars and knew about astrology. And, and everything lined up according to what they had read in Scripture, and, and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And, and they went to their house, and I'm not sure exactly when this happened, but it certainly happened after the manger. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped Jesus. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts in gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, and those were commodities that were worth lots of money. Many people believe that Jesus' whole ministry was funded here. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed and went their own way. Let me just say this. There's always provision of God. It's always going to come. There's going to be victory and prosperity, but it started in a manger because of humility. And there was a waiting on the provision of God. It was brought by the wise men. You see... The only way to prosperity and victory is through perseverance. 
And the only way that we can prosper in a way that God wants us to is through humility. You cannot demand prosperity. It's by grace and grace alone. Will you have victory if you follow Christ? And it never comes without perseverance. God's calling you to be a person who perseveres so that you can be transformed into the likeness of God so that you can begin to move in the things that he created you to move into. So, so they go to Egypt. Again, we're having to deal with all these supernatural things that are occurring and having to deal with the, the doubt that most people probably have about any of these things. But we see when they departed in verse 13, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph again in a dream and said, I want you to leave, I want you to go, I want you to take the child and its mother, I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to, I want you to stay there till I'll tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and to destroy it. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and he departed to Egypt and he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill the, what the uh, prophet said, out of Egypt I called my son. Now, I, I, if God says to you and me, I want you to go and I want you to be a foreigner land, I want you to go somewhere you don't know, a place that, that, that is unfamiliar with you until I tell you otherwise because they want to kill your kid. I want, you to, I want you to get a hold of the perseverance that must have to happen. If we're thinking, and I said this in the first service, and somebody said, oh, really? But let's say that somebody as powerful and in a position as Donald Trump is trying to kill your kid. Do you think you might be oppressed? Do you think you might have to persevere this thought? Let me go on and tell you the rest of the story. The rest of the story is that while, while you're in Egypt, this, this leader is going to go to your hometown where you grew up, and everybody you know and, and their families with babies less than two-year-old are going to have to die because of your kids. You think that's persevering? You know, it's not this pretty picture. It is, it is this persevering through trials so that they can be formed, so God could bring things to a place where he could bring Messiah, the anointed one. And Mary and Joseph are persevering. There is a story there that heaven is open. Miracles are happening. There are wonders everywhere in the midst of tremendous trial and perseverance. If the Savior of the world, if the mother of the Savior, if the father of the Savior of the world had to do this, why do you think we don't have to deal with that to be transformed into the image and to get into the place of where God really wants to pour out and do something God's size. Every birthing process, every birthing process has a gestation period. 
if God's going to do something big in your life, there's a time that he's going to be formulating, massaging you to become the vessel that can actually hold what he wants to do in you. And us as a church, it's, 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 the, same, it's the same thing. If you were to tell uh, all the women are going to say amen to this, when, when you get nine months pregnant, you are ready for it to be over. Let's get this. Let's get the old out, and let's go on to the new. Right? There's this, there's this time where I'm done. I'm done with this. I, I've had all I could take. Guess what? Bummer. You got 30 more days. We can't demand what to do. There's a time of your gestation and what you've got to learn, what God wants to teach you. And it's not the same as mine. It's different. But there's an anointing on your life. There's a call on your life. And God's trying to formulate you into a person who actually can carry out the call. And, and Mary is, is showing us how he, he does it with her. He also does it with us. So, don't rush the process. Come to God without demand. Don't demand. Just come to God with humility. Receive what he wants to do so that, so that and count it joy. Look for expectation because you know that the persevering is actually going to make you perfect, complete, mature, lacking nothing. But here's the, here's the deal. When we demand prosperity, we demand it out of pride. There's a difference between coming to God and saying, God, I know who I am. I, I'm yours, Lord. I, I, I'm, I'm a child of the King. I'm a man. I'm a woman of God. I, I have benefits. I have, I have spiritual gifts. I have all this stuff. Everything in heavenly places is mine. There's a difference between knowing that and demanding something right now. I said, don't demand it right now. So the, all this is yours. I'm going to bring that to you as you go. I'm going to bring that to you as you conform to my word. As you conform to my way, I'm going to reveal that to you as you go so that you can do what I've called you to do. And unless you submit and receive the process, it never changes. That's, that's why so many people are in the same position they were two years ago today is because they refuse to receive what God wants to show them about himself and they wander in the wilderness for year after year after year, even though they're saved. And because God wants to formulate us, and He wants to teach us. So we have to come to Him, not in a demanding way, but in a humble way, recognizing that it is God who actually completes the work. If we don't, it actually extends the process. If we refuse to align with God, it extends the process. Because you ain't ready yet. You're not done yet. Well, quit. That's why we sang just a little bit earlier, Lord, I quit resisting you. I need to stop resisting you and agree with you. I was, when I was singing right here, I was saying, Lord, we align with you. I align with you, God. Your way is right. It's right. So there's always the manger before the wise men show up. There's always this place of surrender and submission. 
before you actually get the victory and the prosperity that God's bring and the provision that God's bring. Paul writes it like this. He says, and this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. We, we've got this, this knowledge of, of the glory of God in these jars of clay. We are the jars of clay is what Paul is saying. You are the jars of clay. Very easily breakable, by the way. But this, this vessel that holds the truth and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit, you're called the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You hold God. You're, you, you have all of God in you, and you have that ability to be transformed and be like Him. And, it, and it's in our hearts, and we're jars of clay. And, it, and we're the jar of clay so that we can show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. See, we want to force things, we want to demand things, we want things now, we want things our way, and it's not about your power, it's about God's power. And he says, in this life there will be tribulation. In this life there will be suffering. But in the midst of suffering, you can be a person who stands in the storm, who actually brings calm to the storm as you bring the Word of God to the storm of your life, to the tribulation. You bring the word, and eventually in God's timing, you will prosper and you will be victorious. Why? Not because of your own efforts. It's because you're a, you're a pot that holds God, and he brings the victory. Look at what the rest of that verse says. Read it out loud with me, believing that God is talking to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. The story of Christmas not this nice packaged story it's the story of persecution the story of perseverance and the story of victory all brought about by God through people I started this message today with the idea that God has a God-sized path for your life. That means it's bigger than you have the talent to accomplish. He says it like this in Ephesians 3.20. He says, he has exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. He's got plans for you that are exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. Depending on your humility before him and your readiness to persevere and learn what he wants to teach you in process so that he can bring about victory. It's an incredible message of Christmas. Now, Emmanuel lives in us. We're, we're jars of clay with the Spirit of God, not just overshadowing us, 
and impregnating us with the Messiah, but impregnating us with God-sized tasks and the power to accomplish it as we humble ourselves before God and as we apply the word. Amen? Deep message, isn't it? But it's true. It's just true. Nothing can happen on this planet without God. Period. And we are the we are the messengers. We are the ministers of God. I believe that God's going to use your hands as he teaches you how to follow him with power to break off chains. I believe people are going to be healed. I believe people are going to be born again. And it's going to come at a rate that's going to be exceedingly abundantly about what you ever imagined could happen in your life. You're going to be empowered to do things that you've never been that never done before, but it's not going to come without trial and tribulation, without perseverance. That's a word from the Lord for this body of believers. You ready? Are you excited? I want you to go into it with joy, like Christmas morning, saying, man, trials and tribulations are coming, but my God is good. And at the end of the story, I'm going to be more like him, and we're going to have victory. And it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about him. Yes? Let's stand. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, for the truth of your word. I thank you for the Christmas story. I thank you for Mary and Joseph who were obedient, who were persecuted, who, who had extreme conditions to bring forth Messiah. Jesus, I thank you for your mission. I thank you, Lord, that, that you accomplished it. You knew why you were born, and you did exactly what the Father asked you to do. And you taught us, Lord, to look and depend on the, on the power of the Spirit to do exactly what you say and exactly what we do. You say about us that the old man is dead and we're alive again to you, God. Wake us up, Lord, so that we receive everything you have for us. We are pots of clay that house the very nature and character of God through the power of the Spirit. We're empowered to do ministry and bring light to darkness. And wherever we go, God, there's an anointing on our lives. But, God, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to be struck. There's all things going to happen to us. But we're not going to be moved, God, because we're solid. We're building our lives on the rock, your word. And we stand on it and we say, watch the deliverance of our God. Watch the victory and the provision from our God. This Christmas, God, I pray that we come alive to your way like never before. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.